This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to The Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. In today's episode, I am interviewing Diamond and Lydia, and they are the founders of Pothos Beauty. And if you guys don't know what Pothos Beauty is, you are about to learn and you are about to hear all about it. I can tell you it's going to be the next up-and-coming brand. I envision them on Forbes, on Refinery29, on Teen Vogue. I think that they are going to make it so big, and they are changing the beauty industry for the better. So I'm very excited to have them on my podcast. They actually were clients of mine at Barbu Agency and I just found that so special that they decided to work with Barbu Agency to kind of help spread the word about their brand and to build their brand a little bit more because I really, really believe in their vision. I think what they're doing is amazing. I think that they have such an amazing mission and it's one of those companies that you're like, why can't all companies be like yours? Like, They are so mission-driven, and it's just honestly really inspiring because it's just something that I feel like a lot of times when you start a business, you think about making money, and you think about financial freedom, and while that, all of that is okay to think about. I'm not saying that that's bad because you have to survive, you know, you have to to pay for your lifestyle and all of that, but they're making it a mission-based company, which I just find so inspiring, and I'm so excited to have them on so that you guys can hear all about Pothos Beauty, but if you guys are interested in starting a company, if you're interested in what exactly a mission-driven company is, if you're interested in learning more about how the beauty community has not been inclusive and why their mission is to change that, then keep on listening. This is such an eye-opening episode, and it's also an episode that I think that everyone can learn a lot from. I know I definitely did just from talking to them for this one hour and then also just working with them um, throughout the past few weeks so very excited to welcome diamond and lydia on and whenever pothos beauty officially launches i will be posting it on the instagram account and maybe doing like an instagram live or something with them during that time so please um be sure to follow us on instagram uh leave us a review if you guys did like this episode reviews always mean so much to me and let's just get into it And Lydia, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Of course, Natalie. Thank, thank you, you for having us. I'm so excited to have you on. From when we met, I feel like a few months ago, virtually, I've been like, I need to have you on because the business that you're creating is incredible. And I'm just so excited to like pick your brain and kind of see how you guys are doing it and like how you came up with it. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. I'm excited. <laughs> it's been like a great like experience, like meeting you and working with you. So it's like really dope to be here and like being being able to talk about what we're building. Yeah. Um, it's a joy. Yeah. So we are starting with setting the record straight. So I'm going to tell you some stereotypes or assumptions, and then you guys will let me know if they're true or false. So the first one is there is inclusivity in the beauty community. False. 
<laughs> yeah, which exactly is where Pothos comes in. So I'm so excited for it. But I'd love to hear like your experience with that, like why you think that's false and like what you've seen personally. Yeah, I feel like we um, we saw a lack of inclusivity in all levels. Um, so we saw like lack of representation and the yeah. products and the founders and the stories that they're promoting, as well as just like in just wellness spaces as well. It was not inclusive at all. Everything was kind of like divided in its own different departments. I think mm-hmm. also it's like the approach, right? It's like we have two very different backgrounds when it comes to the beauty industry, yep. but we found that there's a common problem. So like Lydia said that we found in these spaces, it was just essentially pocketed all over the place. So you had all these silo and hilo groups that it said it's like this group of these people or this group of that people. Um, from my own experience, I was a celebrity makeup artist and I just found there wasn't a centralized place that had something for everyone, nor did it represent everyone. And mm-hmm. I just saw how that impacted my clients. And I was like, you know what? Mm, this has to come to an end. We cannot continue to like have a world that doesn't include everyone because I don't know what planet that everyone else thinks they're going to, but we're all on the same one and we need to do things together. Yeah, I love that. And I like that that's kind of what drove you guys to even start this. Um, and I'm, we're definitely going to get more into that. But the next one is inclusivity and diversity are the same thing. No. No, no, no. It's it's complicated though. They go hand in hand, I would like to say. But just because you have a diversified group, it doesn't mean they're included or they were thought of when the process was created. And that's something we can get into later, but that's how I see it. I see them as like they work together, but I think it really... I think you had to decide what your definition of each is. Like for me, just, just sitting on diversity... Um, diversity doesn't mean all forms of skin color. It can, mm-hmm. but there's diversity of thought, religion, belief systems, foods, allergens. Um, it's essentially the pure definition of what human beings are. We're just different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really true. Cause I feel like a lot of people use them hand in hand or they use them interchangeably, but I've heard a lot of yeah. people also arguing that they're actually not the same and you shouldn't be using them hand in hand. Like you need diversity maybe for inclusivity, but diversity doesn't mean, like you said, people are included. So I think that that's something that people don't talk about enough or they think that it's the same thing when they're using them, but there's actually a big difference. I feel like when you are using them in a conversation or with a brand, yeah. for example. Agreed. I think people really need to, and I hope that we can do that work of teaching the truth between the two, um, mm. because they, they're not the same, and you can cause a lot of damage if you use the wrong word in the wrong space. Absolutely. Yeah, right. And the next one is that every business needs a co-founder. No. False. False, Ish. yes. Um, <laughs> it just depends on your need. I would like yeah. to say. I mean, I would say false, and I, but I would also say truth depending on the model and the need. I think that for me, I, I'm a serial entrepreneur and I have built businesses independently. I, I think it just really depends because when mm-hmm. I was independent consulting, mm-hmm. I didn't need a co-founder. Um, but when I'm building a brand like this one, I would never do this without a co I would never do this without a co-founder. Yeah. Like, oh God, no. <laughs> and then like in terms of like controlling your business, like 
on the investment side, you have more control if you have more people. So it all just depends what you're yeah. trying to do, what your end goal looks like too. Right. I've heard so many things that some people are like, no, you absolutely need one. And then other people are more like, mm, it kind of just depends. So I always like asking people, especially with co-founders, like, do you think that a co-founder is like an essential for any business that you start? So it's interesting hearing like, your take yeah. on it. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm curious now to hear about your background. So you guys, I know, come from both come from tech backgrounds, but then you are also entrepreneurs in the past, too. So Diamond and Lydia, both, what are your backgrounds before Pothos Beauty? Okay, so my background, my education background is international business with philosophy. Um, And I wanted to do pre-law. I was on pre-law track because I thought I wanted to be a lawyer and I quickly switched. I didn't like that at all. But um, I was born and raised in Eritrea. It's a small country in East Africa. Um, I came here when I was 12 for higher education, my parents and I. Um, But I think for the past 10 years, I've done independent business consulting, like helping business owners with their sales strategies. And that's something that like I truly, really enjoyed. Um, Then I switched to tech where I got into tech, ed tech and like political advocacy tech as well where I was helping social impact companies with connecting with their communities using their CSR initiatives. And now I'm here building the dopest company ever. <laughs> the dopest. It's such a um, difference from like what you did to beauty now. You know, I feel like it's like really different, but I'm sure the business models can be similar. Things that you've learned from the past can help you with Pothos as well. Because, like, I wasn't in beauty in terms of, like, the, the brand side or, like, the, the makeup side as, like, Diamond was. But wellness is within beauty. And that's something that, like, I struggled for myself. I was depressed in college and beyond. And I found my way to work through that. And then throughout the journey of, like, 10 plus years, like, I've been able to help others find their journey with that, too. So, mm-hmm. like, being whole and being your absolute best self is something that's really really important to me a lot as, as well as like finding your path spiritually as well so and that mm-hmm. goes hand in hand with beauty and that's something that we're building yeah for yeah. me uh, also a multifaceted background um a lot of them actually still play together in parallel um so i'm just someone who can't do one thing i need to do multiple things at once i just thrive in chaos um so if i were to go all the way back to school my first degree was in my first study was communications and i switched over to health sciences i thought i wanted to be a surgeon and i had a minor in pre-law decided i didn't want to do any of that um but i really had a knack for philosophy and political science not because i wanted to be a politician but because i found that business and politics and theory were essentially that what runs all society. So I was really interested in political science of political regimes. Um, left that program, graduated, also started my MBA in my undergrad. I was really interested in strategy and I refused to get another undergrad degree in business. I just went and got my master's degree with no business background. And that was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, but I really enjoyed it because I found that strategy is consistent in business all through every industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to put those pieces together. And then on top of that, in tandem, I was doing makeup. I was a childhood model. 
uh, for a little bit and I stopped doing that because I had some bad experiences with some castings and they made me feel less than about myself. Um, I was a painter, so I, I wanted to find a way, like how can I make other women feel good about themselves through makeup or through art? And then I found makeup. Um, I worked for MAC Cosmetics. Then it just started spiraling all over the place. Like I was on like LA Fashion Week, New York Fashion Week, working with like ASAP Rocky. Still don't know how anything, all of these things happen. <laughs> then I'm like getting published in magazines. Okay, I don't really know what's going on here, but I'm a product manager in tech. What's <laughs> happening? <laughs> so this uh, year, I you know left a job and decided, you know what? I've always had a dream of building something in beauty that was around inclusivity because I know what it feels like to not feel counted. Mm-hmm. So we came up with beauty, and I can honestly say every single experience I've ever had is being used today at the maximum maximum capacity. And I'm so grateful. Yeah. No, I love that you guys say how you come from such different backgrounds and then here you are today because I think a lot of times, especially younger people, get pressured into you have to choose your major because that's exactly what you're going to do for the rest of your life. So you need to choose wisely. You have to find the perfect first job after college because that's what you're going to – that's going to set the rest of your life up. And I feel like people put so much pressure on themselves from such a young age doing that and then like – I mean, I'm exactly the same way. Like I'm not really using my engineering degree, but I'm so thankful that I did that because it shaped who I am today. And I am also still using like aspects of that in what I do. And if I did engineering or I did probably like pre-med, I feel like I still would choose this path. Like your major doesn't determine where you're going to end up. And I feel like that's so important for younger people to hear. And then also for people to, if they're in a job that they might not love, it doesn't mean that you're stuck. So I know that you guys might have like liked your careers or not, but I mean, you don't have to be stuck in it, which I think is so crucial for people to understand. And like you said, you're using every aspect that you've learned in today. So like you don't even have regrets about it, which is even better because there's no point in regretting. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Heirs tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. 
I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today, as it should, with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. I think like the biggest thing I would say like when you're choosing your path, especially younger people or even older people who I I've changed my job so many times. I am a habitual job quitter because as soon as I see something that I do not like, I'm out. Um, <laughs> and if I don't feel like it's or bringing me joy, I'm gone. I can find a new job. Like you get one life. I think you just have to remember with everything that you do, with every opportunity that is presented to you, what is your North Star mm-hmm. and why are you here? And you will always learn the tools that you need to become your best self as long as you remember your north star but you don't have to stay somewhere it does not serve you like you can leave you can leave the major you can leave the job you can leave the friendship the relationship leave it but do remember what you're learning from it yeah and i think honestly too when you're 18 there is a lot of pressure to to figure out to have life figured out and that's such unrealistic Mm -hmm. expectation only a teenager you know and I feel like what you're supposed to do and your life purpose will show itself so don't stress yourself out and then it will align itself and then you might go in there thinking you're pre-med you might leave with I, I don't know a philosophy a or little little to see. Yeah. <laughs> you never know no exactly <laughs> exactly and is that when you guys were growing up did you guys want to be in something more creative because I feel like whenever you're younger it kind of shows like what you're doing now is honestly sometimes closer to what you want to be when you were younger like I wanted to be an actress I want to be in front of a camera and then I majored in engineering and now here I am doing YouTube so like it's funny how things work so were you guys in the creative like mindset when you were little uh, <laughs> so mine is different. <laughs> I grew up under a dictator. So like, 
Well, yeah, Eritrea. We, uh, we have I just had to make sure I knew what's happening here. Go ahead. Sorry. No, our president is a dictator. I'm sorry to say that, but it is. So we can only watch certain type of TV. We weren't exposed to the Western culture at all. Yeah. So it's completely different. We're controlled from what you wear, how you say, what you question to how you live life and when you should get married, when you should have babies. It's so interesting. Um, so for me, like, I, a lot. I mm-hmm. just, it is a lot. For me, like the only, well, as Eritreans, the only career options that you have is either a doctor or a lawyer. Anything else, especially in the creative side, it's not respected or no, nor is it desired or mm-hmm. even introduced into the country. So it's kind of crazy. But um, so for me, I grew up wanting to be a doctor and I had to let that go when I went to college. I was like, I don't even really want to do this. But one thing I can say that's been consistent all my life is that I've been questioning everything. And I used to get in trouble as a kid for that. So <laughs> when I went to college, I found philosophy. And I was like, see, I know I wasn't crazy. Like, they question things too. <laughs> that's so, so funny. Yeah, on, but originally it wasn't like that. For me, it was different. Okay, so my parents were, my parents were babies. And they just pretty much like do and did whatever they wanted. And they really encouraged us to be our best selves as kids because um, they didn't necessarily have those tools to be their best selves as kids. Like my mom's background is immigrant parents from Jamaica. My dad's family is from North Carolina. Um, and they didn't really have the tools that were necessary for them to be their full creative selves. Entrepreneurs on both sides, but not necessarily being creative. So, But my dad was super creative. He can draw. Um, he was really into music. And he would like force us to sit down and draw a picture and we can't get up until it was done so it was like punishment but like now that I'm older (laughs) like I'm so grateful for those moments like he used to make beats um so we would like sit with music and he taught us how to feel music not just listen um so that was something that now I'm older and I'm like a music festival crazy junkie I can honestly say like I thank my dad for that um I started painting when I was three and my parents were really big on giving me the tools that I needed to make sure that I can create because they found that whether it had anything to do with natural elements or art or being creative, like that is where I thrived while also being super inquisitive and always asking why. Um, And then growing up, I was just always creative, whether it was like doing makeup or I still paint to this day. Um, It's my first love through everything else. (laughs) finding ways to bring in creativity whether it's through art or through mediums of building things um so I like to call myself a creative engineer because I really enjoy building and I'm analytical but I really enjoy like the creative aspect um I think creativity is something that people don't realize is is a part of everything even engineers are creative because they're building things that don't exist absolutely you gotta have an imagination yeah, I feel like people think – I hate when people think that you have to be one or another. You know, like you have to be – if you're an engineering person or you're technical, you can only be that. You, like, can't like to draw. You can't be into music. And then if you're artistic, then you have to be bad at math and you can't like science. And it's like it doesn't have to be that way. Like you can fit into both boxes. Like, <laughs> so I love that you're like saying that too. It's just, I don't know, they just implement it in like to the point where they're making you make your decisions from a really young age about who you're going to become as an adult. 
by what pocket you should put yourself in at 12 when you have all different pockets <laughs> available to you. I think you do a great job at showing your analytical side with your creative side. Too. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I like I I have both. So that's why I'm like, what can I do that brings them both together? <laughs> so I think I found that like happy medium with that. And I'm really happy doing what I'm doing. Um, and then how did you two meet? How did your cross? How did your paths cross? <laughs> <laughs> we have like the wildest story on the planet. Um, in my opinion, I think. Yeah, we met online. On LinkedIn. We're LinkedIn friends. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, I turned into, like, physical friends. At the time, I was working at a company that was recruiting experts to speak on certain topics. And there was this project where we were doing something in, like, ed tech. Yeah. And I, in true diamond fashion, I always tell a story, but it's, like, I took a part. It wasn't even my own. It wasn't my project. I, I really am the person that does what I want to do because, like, it's my life. Um, and I decided when I was working at this company, like there are no women on this project. Number one, number two, there are no black people on this project. I'm going to go find a black woman and I'm going to put her on this project. So she was actually the first black lady that came up in my search because I worked in ed tech. Yeah. Not just because I was just black. No, yeah. I have to clarify <laughs> that. <laughs> my search in ed tech professionals, she was the first black woman who came up. So I called her. We ended up getting on the phone and we never spoke about the project. We spoke about how we both work in technology and we don't like our jobs and what it means to be number one, a woman in technology, but also be a black woman in technology. How much we hated our jobs, we hated the environment. Um, and we spent the whole time talking about that and then we ended up being friends, yeah. talking all the time on the phone. Then COVID came and we spoke eight, nine hours a day. Um, co-working, decided to move to New York together. She was in Virginia. I was at in Texas at the time. Yes. Drove across the country, met each other after we already decided to live together. But we hadn't met each other physically. Um, looked for an apartment and then, you know, drove across the country and moved in. Yeah. I didn't know that that's how you guys ended up living together. That's crazy. (laughs) So do you guys remember the exact moment that you decided on Pothos Beauty, like on creating Pothos Beauty, creating this company together? Was it before you decided to move in together? Like when did you decide you're quitting your jobs and you're starting Pothos? It was May 1st. We actually, it was May 1st, I think, of 2020. Yeah, it was because we started like brainstorming for a month and then we filed it yeah. on June 1st. Yeah. Um, it's kind of an interesting story. So I, like from my perspective, I got an email from Elle for my work as a celebrity makeup artist. Let's just make a note that I had no idea I was a celebrity makeup artist. I was just having fun. Like this is not, I was not trying to make a <laughs> career out of this. It was just something that I was doing and I got paid for it. And I was just like, all right, you're gonna me money and I get to hang out with celebrities and play with makeup all day, sign me up. Like, yeah. it was nothing, I just did it. Yeah. Um, crazy. Like, and then I got an email from Elle that was like, "Hey, like, we want to interview you about like nine black women, like how they're doing their hair." Someone told us that you were doing celebrity COVID. makeup artist, and like, how are you doing hair during COVID? Yeah. I thought it was a scam because it was just a basic email. Mm-hmm. Um, it had no gifs. It had nothing in it. It was just an email. And I'm just like, "Why Elle contact? Who who are they talking about? It's not me." Um, is <laughs> really really bizarre when I look back. That feature came out, and from there, something that when I got the email, I called her like, Lydia, I think this is a scam, but what do you think? 
And she's like, just fill it out. So we just filled it out. And like one of the things that I wrote in there was there needs to be a beauty supply store where black women can get their hair care needs online at a discounted rate. So from there, we just decided that we were going to build it. And that was honestly, we had a dream, Natalie. We were going to be millionaires in eight minutes. <laughs> um, we were shooting for the beyond the stars we started until we started doing the work and looking for brands um trying to find vendors where we can drop ship it because again we were going to be millionaires eight minutes and retire and fall off the face of the earth mm-hmm. That's not <laughs> uh, and then like we couldn't get in contact with any brands it was pretty much landlocked um yeah but how the beauty supply industry works in regards to black hair it's very landlocked um, by a demographic of people that are not black. I'll leave it there. By the Asian market, let's be specific. Yeah, we can be specific about uh, it. Yeah, <laughs> and that's when we decided to pivot because uh, we realized there was really no entry for us, but mm-hmm. not at all. So we decided to create a market that that combines not only like the products that we want, the clean beauty products that we use. But also like that has the community aspect that we both love. Um, we wanted to give back to our community. We wanted our brand to stand for something other than generating revenue. Um, and I think giving back our social impact consulting background was the perfect fit. And I'm glad that like the whole beauty supply stores was um, landlocked. I, I really am grateful because it gave us the opportunity to build up products that you guys see right now because before it was just we were just trying to be millionaires in a very short time but when we couldn't do that it really gave us the opportunity to build something not just for us but for our community as well yeah it was really important that both lovers of social impact and people who have soft hearts to like you know finance things for other people if we have or help people where we can it was very important that the service and the work that we do has a mission but more importantly, we started having that conversation around like, what about the different kinds of black people? What about the different kinds of white people? What about the different kinds of Asian people? What about the racially ambiguous people? Hold on, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I hate sending my clients all over the place. I hate not going into a store where we all can leave with something. I hate doing these things. And yeah. then we were like, you know what? Why don't we create this unicorn where not only are we providing clean beauty or beauty products for other people, because beauty, you can't escape it. It's just it's one of those things that it doesn't, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. It affects every single industry mm-hmm. we see ourselves. But more importantly, let's drive revenue and give revenue back to fix the infrastructure of our society. Because we've seen in 2020 what the infrastructure of our society looks like. And somebody has to fix it. And clearly it's not going to be the people that should be fixing it. So we took on the responsibility to say like, okay, let's build this store where we people can access their needs. Also, let's build a platform where smaller businesses or smaller artisans who have dreams, have products can sell in one place. But more importantly, let's drive a mission that it's not just about product. We see you, we care about you. Beauty and wellness is holistic and it has an entire impact over how we see ourselves, how we treat other people, how we create our communities, our businesses, our companies, how the products that we choose, the conversations that we have. And we're like, you know what? 
no one's talking about building something from the ground that's truly inclusive from the base of the foundation. I feel like your company at the surface level, it's oh, a beauty company, a beauty marketplace, but it is not that. I feel like whenever I talk to you about it, it is it's not just another like Sephora. Like that's not what this is. You guys are targeting so many deeper issues. You're yeah. giving back to the community. You're becoming a more social company rather than just, oh, a marketplace. Like I feel like that's kind of what you're selling, for example, but that's not what your company is. At. Like your company is so much more than that. And that's why I think it's going to be super successful and why I think it's going to make such an impact because people are looking for this. Like people are looking for something like this. You guys are not the only ones with this problem, as you know, and people want to start supporting companies that have that mission behind it. I feel like all of us are kind of tired of just supporting like these huge conglomerates or these huge like monopolies and that's it. Like we want small businesses to thrive. And especially in 2020, when so many small businesses were hurting, it's even more important to have a place where you guys are supporting them. You guys are hearing them. You guys are giving them that platform. So I think that that's also incredible. And you guys are just solving such a deeper need. So I think it's going to be a hit and I love what you guys are doing. Um, And then how are you guys choosing who to get back to? Like, how are you guys deciding where you guys are going to put your efforts into giving back and what are you trying, or I guess, where are you donating the, any of your revenue? That's also super unique as well. Yeah. So what we decided to do is that we pride ourselves for being, um, we pride ourselves being the, um, like a community led company. So we actually want to give that responsibility or like that that power back to the community to decide which organizations that they need to be funded. Because one thing that we realized is that it goes to the history of like B Corps or like the social impact companies is that they choose one nonprofit that they partner with and they dump money to them, but they're not necessarily solving the real issue from the root. And that's not something that we don't want, we want to be associated with. And the whole thing with the whole greenwashing, you, you, you know about that. Mm-hmm. So like, we, we, we don't want any of that stuff, but we wanted to build a community um, and a society in solving the real issue that's at hand. So we want to give back to our community by letting them choose which ones that they want us to support. And like, we're going to get our hands dirty, right? It's not yeah. just like, here is a check for this organization, walk away. It's like, yeah. no, like if I know or we know of a family, like there's a gentleman actually here in New York who really hits both of our hearts, Billy. Oh yeah. We met him in the subway, right? And it just gave confirmation of like what we're doing. We met him in a subway. And most people get scared about people in subways and whatnot. Um, or talking to homeless, talking people. To homeless people, like they're people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We met him. And the biggest thing is that he asked for he asked for a dollar. We ended up giving him five dollars, and then we were like, "So, kind of essentially, are there programs that can help you?" And his response hit me so hard. He said, "I do not want to be tied to the government. I want to live freely. I just need a makeover. What I want to do for you is draw you guys a picture of you. I can draw." Mm-hmm. And it just, I was all kinds of fucked up after that. Like. It just reminded me of like, that is someone who's just down in their luck and just needs something to get them off their feet. Because I know he's going to be fantastic if he has the resources. Like, he wants to draw. That's all he wants to do. He shouldn't have to choose 
if he's going to have drawing supplies or if he's going to eat today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's something where we're on the ground to say like, all right, well, we'll figure out what Billy needs. Or if there's a family down the road that needs food or there's a road in another country that we've been to, we know this community needs this road so they can like flourish. We'll go build the road. Like if there's a damn pothole that is ruining everybody's car on the street, we're going to fund it because this is a problem. And it's just like, on top of the community and the brands, like everyone has a say because essentially we all live on this planet. We all are kin. So everyone has a say on what gets built and what gets put into our society and not they're not just forced by their hand to say this is what it is. Like, what do you mean? We all live on one planet. We should have a say of what is supposed to be here and what's not. What should mm. be and what doesn't. A lot of these organizations actually don't fund the things that they say they do. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like a lot of times, one, it's a tax write-off for like to get donate to charities. So a lot of companies are like, we donate. And it's like, you're actually like literally making more money by donating. But a lot of people do it as a tax write-off. And then also a lot of them doesn't like, they don't trace where their money is going. They're just doing it kind of for publicity. You know, like it's, I feel like it's best what you're doing to actually sit down and talk to people actually like you were doing to Billy, like hey, how are you? Let me get to know you. Because at the end of the day, we're all human beings, like you said. And then having your community actually have an impact of where it's going to get helped, like who's going to get helped with this money, who's going to get help with these resources. That is so much better than me just like blindly purchasing something and being like, oh, well, I hope my 1% got sent to whatever organization, you know, because honestly, like you never know. So I feel like you have such a good um idea about like getting the community to actually help and now the world is a lot smaller with the internet you know you can actually talk to your community you can talk to your consumers so there's not really an excuse for not being able to listen to them and seeing what they want and what they need so i think that you guys are like living in the future with this with like actually talking to your community and hearing it like hearing what they want and where they want their resources to be spent so I think it's awesome that you guys are doing that. And I feel like it's going to make such a difference in so many people's lives. Thank you. I'm hoping so. We really hope so. Because at the end of the day is that we want to celebrate every single one. Um, Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure that you are in your purpose, living in your path. And that there's, because I feel like the highest, the highest achievement in life is living in your purpose and leaving that impact behind you. So, and any way we can help an individual, whether it's in our, through our company or individually, um, that's the, the impact that we want to make. Yeah. And when you guys were growing up, did you have any companies that you looked up to that were inclusive or any of your favorite companies that you had when you were younger? Um, I, yeah. Ish. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, inclusive wise, I really looked up to Refinery29. That still to me is crazy, but um, I really looked up to Refinery29 at the time because they were building something that didn't exist. They essentially were building a publication that represented all people, but more importantly, the different facets of women. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something that I was just like, I I, I want to do something with Refinery29. Like one day I want to be in their like publication. Like one day I want to work. Every event that they had, that I had the ability to go to like 29 rooms. I was there. Uh, because it was finally a place where I can go in and there are people that not only look like me, but look like everybody. 
Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I loved. And then Matt Cosmetics was another company um, who essentially were one of the first companies to build cosmetics for a range of colors. Um, and I remember seeing the RuPaul commercial when he was one of their AIDS campaign um, advocates. And I was just like, wow, there is a brand that cares about people that looks like me, but that cares about different shades of people. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't have it right all the way. Now they're still trying to figure it out. But those are two companies that I would say gave me light as a young child to say like, wow, someone is actually at least trying to think about us. But I did see the lack of inclusivity in the beauty industry early, which is why I became a model. Yeah. Could, which I want to go back and do. Yeah. <laughs> For me, like, growing up, it wasn't, like, like I said, going back to my history, um, it wasn't a specific person, I mean, thing that I was looking, um, that gave me light, but it was actually my dad. Um, he's my hero. I, I feel like, as a person who dropped out of high school, like at the age of 13, and for him to speak multiple languages, and he's such a free spirit man, he was the one that taught me to, just because you can't physically have the life that you want right now, it doesn't mean you can't create it inwardly. Mm-hmm. So he's the one that, I love that. Yeah, he's pretty dope. Like he taught me how to dream. <laughs> within, so within. So even though like I was living in a very dictatorial lifestyle inside I was full of life and adventure and hope and dreams and it was just like such a bubbly kid and I think I still have that now because I have the place that I can take it all out and live within I have the freedom to do that now so now because of him I can take it out and live outwardly but mm-hmm. you still yeah have- I love that yeah you got to have an imagination. You do. Honestly, you got to have an imagination, especially if you're building a business, because you got to be crazy to think you want to build a business. That is not for the faint-hearted. Um, <laughs> I agree. I'm like sitting here nodding my head. Like, <laughs> Yeah, this is not, you got to be borderline crazy to want to do this. <laughs> I know. How was it when you guys quit your jobs? Like, what was that like? <laughs> so I'm, we didn't actually quit. We got oh, you did hired. it? No, we got hired. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we say we left, right? So, um, I got hired in February from, I worked at, I was a consultant and I worked in FinTech. So I did like some product and strategy consulting. Consulting, we love it. Um, as for FinTech, right? And I was there and I just really did not enjoy my work. I didn't like, it wasn't the work. It was more or less, how people were managing other people and how they were mismanaging their projects. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the kind of person where I speak up when I see chaos. I speak up when something's wrong. I cannot sit in a burning house and pretend like it's not on fire. I am not one of those people. And so I was in the company and out very quickly, but that's, you know, Diamond either gets fired or quits. Like it's, this is nothing new. Like if I don't, I told you in the beginning of this podcast, if I don't like it, I'm gone. I was like, mm-hmm. so just fit. Uh, it all <laughs> happened literally two weeks later, and it was just like, oh, <laughs> oh, I'm not alone. So, yeah, I just kind of was like, you know what? I'm not going back unless I'm in the independent contractor perspective. I'm not going back to corporate. I will build my own company. 
I, I would fail a hundred times before I go back. I will sweep the street before I go back. I- yeah. Some people are like that. Some people, I mean, I feel like I'm very similar. Like I never want to go back to a corporate job. Like so many people are like, do you ever think you'll go back to corporate? I'm like, uh, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> no I don't think so. <laughs> That was crazy, actually. Mm-mm. My my firing happened in July. And it was actually funny, Natalie. I have to show you. I still have the <laughs> I still have the alarm. Oh yeah, we have to tell you the story about <laughs> I think. Oh see, my goodness. This is did it say? Yeah, eight o'clock. It says meditate and get fired. <laughs> <laughs> I scheduled it. So the thing about it is. Can I tell the story of the firing from the external? Because that yeah, shit was hilarious. <laughs> uh, that is so funny. <laughs> I, I got fired in February. So all the time, like, COVID's, like, at its height. The whole country's, like, borderline fired. So BLM. BLM. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, I interviewed a bunch of companies. I was, like, mm, I'm not going back. Like, got a couple job offers. Mm, not going. I can't do this, right? And then she was just coasting, and I knew she wanted to leave her job. Yeah, because, um, like... The whole thing with them is that they weren't speaking up for uh, like black issues. So the whole injustice that was going on, but they were so happily collecting black people's money. And I didn't appreciate that. So as a black person in the team, and I, was, I think I was only, well, there was one. So I went ahead and talked to um, like the manager and then like they passed me to HR. And then I somehow got to the CEO in Canada and I spoke to him how this is very disrespectful. And as a business, you guys speak up about cancer, like issues. You guys can speak up about uh, racial injustice issues as well. And I gave him how the competitors are doing it. And I created this whole strategy for them. For you really their, did. For the, yeah, for their DNI and all that stuff. And he said, this sounds great, Lydia. So how do you think we're going to hit our goal? You, you care about the goal of the company not the issue that's at hand so i was just like really frustrated with them so i was ready to leave but that's when the whole point of scheduling my uh my firing the funniest thing is about her firing because at the time she had her lease had ended we had already decided that we were going to move together yeah so she spent the month with me in austin which is really cool yes um so we got to see what it was like to live together ahead of time but also be in a warm place before we came to new york for winter yeah (laughs) Um, was winter's kind of creeping up? Uh, it was so yeah. funny because she woke up. I came out of my room and she's just looking so bright and excited. And I'm like, you have a, a shower, take a shower, made a coffee. The blinds were open, and I'm just like, well, you sleep like eleven o'clock. Like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, you know, I I have my meeting with my manager today. But just you just know when you're gonna get fired. Like you can feel when the firing's coming. Like this yeah. is not my first rodeo. Like I know. It's yeah. And it was so funny because Lydia didn't realize we were in central time. So she was all excited <laughs> about getting fired. So she's like, they didn't call. And I was like, because like it's a different time in the East Coast than here, Lydia. And she's like, no. And I was like, you're an hour ahead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she was that. waiting to get fired. <laughs> That is so funny. That's the best way to get fired, though, when you're prepared for it, when you're excited for it. Yeah. So honestly, I think that's that's like best case scenario. Best case. Yeah. It's, you know, we're similar because I knew I was getting fired. 
Yeah, because the Friday before I got, the Thursday before I got fired, I called the COO. I took, I don't care. I will call the CEO. I'll call the investor. I called <laughs> and I was like, hey, I'm from New York. And they were like, um, if you move to New York, we can't change your salary for the cost of living. And I knew that at that very moment, I knew something was up. And everyone kept saying, like, did you finish your certification? No, because you guys just changed my department. Um, so my certification is not done. And I just knew with the way that people were acting, people were not responding. So all of a sudden I woke up one morning and I had like a meeting on my calendar with my manager. Out of the blue, she never does things like this. Yeah. I get on the call, HR is on the call. I already knew. I was ready. Yeah. Thank you at the end of my, my firing. I was like, this is great. I'm going to go start my own company. That's all I <laughs> That's so funny. No, that's amazing. I feel like it's like a breakup. Like when you know it's happening and then you, like, wow. all the signs are coming and like sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But <laughs> it, was, it was necessary though. It was at that point where I knew I could never find a home in someone else's. And I feel like the universe was just like, rip it off. Go figure it out. And it's like, oh, and then it's just like, all right. Yeah. And now building this company day in and day out. Yeah. I realized how intelligent I actually am because you're in companies. I don't know what happens in my brain when I work in other places. Um, how intelligent I am. And like, I actually enjoy doing this every day. Mm-hmm. I choose to work 60 plus hours a week. There's yeah. no calculator on that. Like I choose to find problems and break them apart and rebuild them. Like we choose to do this. Yeah. yeah. So different. What are both of your roles at Pothos? So I know you guys are both co-founders, but do you guys work on separate sections in Pothos? Yeah. So like my background is like sales, sales strategy, like in the business development kind of things. So I take care of that, like um, handling the partnership with like the brands and creating that whole sales pipeline and stuff like that. So and Diamond is really great with like brands and designing and like the technology at hand as well in house. So she, I mean, she can speak more about that, but that's really what she handles. And I think she does a great job. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, my role is the thing is when you have a startup, you just kind of wear all the roles you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're now starting to delegate things out to other people who, all because you can do it doesn't mean that you should. Yep. Um, so my everyday, I would say, like, I deal with the operations of the company and building the infrastructure to make sure that the team can work together cohesively. Um, anything that has to do with branding, I build the branding, like, from stop, start to ending. And that's going to be really interesting when we transfer that over to someone else because mm-hmm. I'm very particular when it comes to branding. Um, like, very. Yeah. I'll take it down if it doesn't look right. Good though. You should be with things like that. You have to be very particular. And I think whenever you're a founder of a company or of a business, you have to be able to tell people when they're doing something wrong. Like I struggle with that. I'm like, Oh, it's okay. And then I'll like fix it in the background. But like, I have gotten better at being like, actually, can you fix this? And like actually giving like proper feedback rather than just saying everything's fine (laughs) yeah it's a it's a it's a learning curve i think like because i wear so many hats um that i enjoy it's just like i i deal with strategy i deal with branding i deal with socials um but i really really enjoy finding the bridge between using technology from a human-centric perspective so I would say like that in partnerships is really where my heart sings because I love talking to people. Like if you pay me to talk all day, I will gladly do so. Um, 
So my job was like, I don't know, like you, we wear a lot of hats. It's like marketing, but I would really say like mainly is like operations, branding, and strategy are like the hats that I wear. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And so now before we go, I want to get have ask you guys, what is the best piece of advice that you guys have received in this whole opening up a business, being an entrepreneur journey? In this business or just, or just in life you know what you can make it more broad and just do it in life too <laughs> I have two things I would say um I have one that my own brain made up um <laughs> and it's that everything is made up and then you die and that is something that I live by so when I'm getting like too worked up into how my life is I think about like it's all made up and then you die everything that we do is made up like even the software, someone decided that there needed to be a software that does this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the second one, which I actually got from my aunt, who's 85, yesterday she said to me, don't let anyone make you sick. Mm-hmm. And it really hit because I'm an empath and I let things bother me to the point that they manifest in my body physically. Yeah. Um, and that one really hit. And she said it like this. She said, don't let nobody make you sick. And I was like, oh, it hit me. And so I was <laughs> like, that's the biggest advice I'd have in anything I build because it's so easy to be stressed out. Mm-hmm. And life is long, but life is short. And remember that it's made up and then you die. But if you want to live a longer life, don't let anyone make you sick. Yeah. I love that. That's actually a good one. Yeah, she hit me deep yesterday, and she's old. It was kind of hard. (laughs) 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 Mine is that, um, so right before I started uh, Pathos, right before we founded it, um, I was scared of jumping into the full entrepreneurship full-time. I was doing it kind of like on the side, but I never just jumped on it fully. Um, because I was scared of success and what it will require out of me. Now also, I think more importantly, I was scared of like failing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my culture growing up, like failing is not an option at all. And it's just like, it's, in a sense, it's like your whole identity. And I, that's not the risk that I was willing to take. But I realized that like in each founder startup company that I worked at, I was getting frustrated because they would not listen. So like, it's either go at your own full risk or keep repeating the same pattern over and over and be frustrated. So I finally was just like, you know what? I'm cool, I can do this. And then the advice that they gave me is that don't think of this like as a long-term thing. Think of it just like, this is just like a project that you're working on. It might work, it might not work, but it's fine, you give it your 100%. So that gave me a lot of like ease in my mind because I was like, you know what? You're right. This is just a project. This is just a project. I mean, the project grew into this now, but now I'm just like, I was just taking it day by day. Like, this is just a project. This is just a project. It helps a lot when you think about it that way. Because it's yeah. Large. We say it all the time. Like, it's just a project. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a project. And yeah. it's like, because it, if not, you have the world on your shoulder. Yeah. But if you think about it, it's just a project. You're just like, okay, I'm going to do these things. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good way to think of things because I feel like whenever you are going into something new or you're starting a business or a new job, you put like kind of going back to the first thing we talked about, you put so much pressure on yourself and you put like it has to do super well and it has to be super successful. It's like just take that first step. Like that's all you need to do because 
There is no point in thinking about what the next 10 years are going to look like when you haven't even finished your first month, you know, like you have to just take that first step, figure things out day by day and things are going to change. Things are going to pivot. That's like, I personally don't come up with like huge business plans for a business because I'm like, literally this can change in a second. Like, I think you should have like a list of things that you are sure of and, you know, have some projections. But when people have like their five-year plan for their business, I'm like, I guarantee year one is probably going to be out the door. You know, like I feel like you can have goals, but when people have like modeling and revenue, I'm like, I feel like it's going to be out the door. And I say this not knowing if you have a business plan. So I'm so sorry if you guys have a five-year projected revenue. You don't. Like it's just, we kind of do. We do, but we don't. It's like very like, these are things that we want to do within five years. Um, But you have to be flexible with the details. Yeah. Right. You yeah. yeah. have dream yeah. and the details altered by the resources that you have and the work that you do because what and we do today. Range. Yeah, because who knew COVID was going to happen? Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, that's not in anyone's five year plan. Exactly. No, it's like your plan did not prepare you to pivot. So, <laughs> what are you going to do? Now, I have a question for you, though. Yeah. What is the best advice you've ever received as an entrepreneur? I think for me, something that I always tell people is just to start, which I know can be very basic, but it's one of those things that's just start doing something. I feel like a lot of people get wrapped up in the planning and the, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't, I don't even know. Like, I don't have the best, I don't know. Let's think about YouTube, for example. Like people that are trying to start YouTube, they're like, I just don't have the best video quality. I don't know how to edit. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do that. It's like, you learn all those things along the way. Like no one is great in the beginning. And same with a business, like Google is your friend, like start by Googling, start by asking questions, start by talking to people. Like, but if you just keep getting in your head about you don't know how to do something or it's not going to go well, then you're never going to be successful. Like actually putting action and just starting, like, even if it's horrible, just start. And that's like the biggest thing I always tell people with like anything anyone wants to do in life. That's an important one too. It is. Cause we think about the finish before we start. So I agree. Mm-hmm. That's such a good one. And then you get there when you start and you're like, oh, that's all this was? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. But where can they find Pothos Beauty? Where can they find you guys? And also when is the launch date and where can they start exploring Pothos Beauty? So you can find us uh, for Pothos purposes. You can go to www.pothosbeauty.com. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to see the new and improved exciting website, that will happen later this month around Christmas time. So keep your eyes still open. Um, our launch, we don't have an official date, but it's going to happen at the end of January. That's the goal. The um, official one. Yeah. The official, but you know, we live in America. You don't know what's going to happen there. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you can find us at Papa's Beauty, and that's on Instagram, at Papa's Beauty on Twitter. And then soon you'll be able to find us at Papa's Beauty on TikTok. Um, so feel free to drop by if you're interested in like being on it like let us know um, and individually you can find me my handle is at diamond hawkins underscore on all socials that's tiktok instagram twitter my Pinterest is not public yet, but it will be <laughs> um and yeah, so you can find me there or on linkedin everything is my first and last name yeah i can be found at lydia d greatness on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, don't have TikTok yet. I might. <laughs> <laughs> and then LinkedIn is just Lydia Devisai. So 
All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. Let me know what you guys thought about it. I am so excited for Pothos Beauty to launch, and I know that you guys are too. This is just a company that I, I, haven't, I haven't been excited for a company in a long time, and this is one that I'm very, very, very excited about. So Diamond and Lydia are going to kill it in the beauty industry game, and I'm just very excited to kind of be there alongside them and cheering them on. So anyways, be sure to follow them on Instagram if you guys want any more info. Be sure to follow us on Instagram because we'll definitely be announcing when they launch. And yeah, follow Diamond and Lydia. They're just amazing people and they're such lights in this world. So we need more of that. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you guys next Monday with another episode of The Real Real Podcast. Hey, my name is Lovon Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then. Hey there, my name is Renee Rena, and I am the mom friend you have always wanted. I am also the host of the Mom Room Podcast. We publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the Mom Room Podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood.